So if valuing your work is saying what I do matters, valuing yourself is saying it matters that I'm the one doing it. And there's a Martha Graham quote that I love. I'm gonna give a section of it, but she says, there's a vitality, a life force, a quickening and energy that is translated through you into action. And because there's only one of you in all of time, the expression is unique. And then she goes on in the same quote to talk about how like, it's not your job to like value it or compare it to other people. I'm like, mm, okay, in a creation context, yes. In the context of our conversation though, uniqueness is valuable. If there's only one of something, it is as rare as it can possibly be. It is innately valuable and your work therefore is innately valuable. Being a circus boss is all about being confident on and off stage. It's about you living more of those powerful moments when time stands still and your audience is captivated and connected and everything feels right in the world. Welcome to the Circus Boss Podcast. This is the space where we talk about all things business and marketing related to circus so you can make those big dreams happen. We're your co-hosts, Brock and Eileen, and we help circus performers and producers manage your business with ease so you can spend more time on the flying trapeze. So if you're a circus boss that's ready for more, hit subscribe and join us every week. Your audience awaits. Hey guys, gals, and non-binary pals. And for our dedicated fans that tune in every week, thank you for being here. And thanks again to Circus Talk for helping distribute our podcast. So this is episode 13 of the Circus Boss podcast. And we just had a Friday the 13th. So whether you subscribe to the idea of 13 being an unlucky number or not, I just wanted to use this as a chance to talk about those times when you have that spidey sense that your gut says something is off. And I'm not going all scary movie on you here, but I learned something from a rigor decades ago, and it's become a consistent practice for me. He said, if you see something and doubt it, you have to act on it. Because if something catastrophic were to happen and you didn't take a moment to look into what you were doubting, that's something that would stay with you forever. So I remembered this practice of paying attention to something that just doesn't feel right while watching the Olympics and watching Simone Biles take center stage for creating another new move. But this time, it's one that is about standing up for yourself and standing up for your mental health and saying no when things don't feel right. So whether it's learning to tune in and listen and honor when you feel spooked about something, or whether it's something you see that doesn't look right. Learning how to say this doesn't feel right can be reason enough to say no to something and remove yourself from a situation or stop a situation from happening, especially with aerial and acrobatics and circus. All the daring work that we do in circus can be so dangerous. So I just want to applaud Simone for being on the world stage and having so much pressure for her to perform and still find the strength to say no. And not only expectation from the outside, but excitement from the inside. How bold is it to say no to something that you've worked towards for your entire life? 
I think about the incredible performances that I've done in my career and especially the ones where a client was paying for a service. What would it take to feel confident to cancel a performance? To have the expectations of the client that has actually paid for something and to have the excitement and anticipation of something that you've worked so hard for and in the midst of all of that still saying no if something's off. It's a lot. And I don't want us to forget this powerful lesson that Simone is teaching us. We have to be strong enough to say no sometimes. And if you're booking entertainment for clients like I used to, I encourage you to add to your contract the right to cancel a performance if conditions are unsafe and including mental and physical health as reasons for unsafe condition. And also including who gets to make that call of what is unsafe. So in high-pressure situations, make sure you have understudies and backup plans to give you some breathing room to place a priority on this type of safety. So as always, I just went down the road of building out a strategy to help support this concept because that's how my brain works. But let's get back to the meat of this topic. Would you have had the courage to say no like Simone Biles did? I wanted to share with you today a really brilliant conversation I had with Janelle Peters, aka Janelle Dinosaurs, aka Cirque Psych, that was actually an Instagram live we had over on our Instagram channel at Circus Boss Official. And we were talking about the concept of how to say no. Janelle brought this idea to the table. I loved the conversation so much. And this was before the Olympics even happened. And so I see the power in this conversation now in a whole new light. So I wanted to share it with you in hopes that it will empower you to remove yourself from a situation that might not be right, even if you can't tangibly put your finger on what doesn't feel right at the moment. So that's the topic for the theme of 13 that we've got going on today. If you're feeling spooked, honor that and look into that. There might be something underneath there that's really important to pay attention to. So without further ado, I'm going to share with you this conversation where we talk about valuing your work as a circus professional and valuing what you do and how to say no to work that's not the right fit with Cirque Psych. Enjoy. And before we jump in, Janelle, I'm really excited to join forces today. Do you want to just go ahead and introduce yourself? Sure, yeah. So my name is Janelle Peters. You can find me on the internet as Janelle Dinosaurs or as Cirque Psych. Um, my pronouns are she or they. I am a contortionist and an aerialist. I'm a coach in both of those disciplines and a performer. I'm also a therapist. I'm a licensed social worker and I work with a lot of queer youth and also with a lot of dancers, athletes, artists, and performers. I am Cirque Psych on Instagram, which is the handle under which I create uh, what we call psychoeducational material, which is really just information and conversation starters about mental health and well-being, specifically for folks in the circus world, using circus analogies and things that we already know from circus just to sort of move the conversation along where oftentimes the conversation about mental health can get left out of circus communities. Awesome. The work you're doing is so incredible and amazing and important and timely. For those of you that haven't met me, I'm Ailey. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm the chief inspiration officer at Circus Boss. So I'm a That's business. That's a great job title. I love that. <laughs> I'm like everyone's cheerleader. So I'm a business coach at Circus Boss. I was a performer, choreographer, director, event planner, worn many hats over my lifetime. And now I'm transitioning all of that into 
coaching others and supporting others make their dreams happen. Also so important and timely, I'll say. <laughs> we love like the entrepreneurial minded circus professionals. That's kind of like our niche because my wife Brock and I run the business together and we're both super entrepreneurial minded. We make new business ideas every day. <laughs> so if you jam out on that, that's that's what we do. Yeah. So do we want to start out? Because I know like our main thing is kind of about that, how to say no and when to say no and how to know when to say no. And I have kind of a little like stream of thought that leads to that. But is there anything that you want to like start out with to frame us up? No, that sounds good. Let's do let's do your train of thought. Okay, great. Awesome. So my my thought process around how to know when to say no to work and how to say no to work ideally most of the time without burning bridges, right, really comes back to valuing your work, valuing yourself, and then valuing like what you love and knowing what is fulfilling to you and what is not, what is worthwhile to you and what is not. And it's, you know, from, I'm thinking about like from a business coaching perspective, it can get to be very logical. Like you have actual equations like spreadsheets that you can plug in like how much do I need to make on a certain gig to like break even or to make a profit or whatever it is and I I'm in love with that and I think it's beautiful I come at it really from kind of my therapist perspective of like thinking about over the course of your lifetime and over the course of your career what is going to make you reflect on your life and be like, I'm really glad I did it that way. I'm really glad that that's what I chose to put my energy into. I'm really glad I got out of that situation that wasn't working for me. Right. Um, and so, you know, the equations can help you when you're actually in that situation of like, am I going to like, what do I actually like charge for this? And that sense of being able to listen to your inner self, and to know your values as a person, not just as a business and not just as a circus artist, are going to be the things that are going to guide you so that you can make those decisions kind of with your heart and with your brain and with your calculator. So valuing your work is about, you know, making a living and thriving wage, which is really difficult to do in the arts in the United States right now. We are chronically undervalued. And so that means that, you know, it's going to be upon us to continually and regularly restate the value of our work to other people, which is hard to do if we don't believe it. So we have to do a lot of inner work to really believe and truly understand that what we do matters, that our art transforms people's lives and transforms people's way of seeing the world and of thinking. So like my key from that, like, okay, if you're into mantras, which like I know a lot of people are, the key for that is what I do matters mm. or what I do is valuable. Mm. inherently. And I'll also add that that's not just about including your own individual personal work, but that when you know that what you do matters, the like transitive property of value applies to the work of everyone else in your community and in your field who's doing the same kind of work. And so when I value my work highly, I inherently also value other people's work highly. And that creates this like community that I want to be in, where we're valuing each other and caring about each other and where we want each other to be paid a fair and living and thriving wage. And when I devalue my work for whatever reason, I'm also a little bit devaluing similar work that other folks are doing. So we can also think of it as like in our ecosystem, are we pulling down the value or are we growing the value in the way that we treat our own work? 
So from valuing your work, I can just keep talking. If you have stuff you want to say, you got it. <laughs> Everything inside me is like, yes, 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 okay. yes, yes. I don't want to stop you. I'll just let you keep rolling. Bring it. Awesome. And so then there's valuing yourself, right? And there's, there's a lot of overlap here between valuing your work and valuing yourself. So if you're going to go with like, okay, how do I phrase this in like one sentence? If valuing your work is what I do matters, valuing yourself is it matters that I'm the one doing it. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you have something you want to say? No. <laughs> Can you say that one more time? Yeah. For... So if valuing your work is saying what I do matters, valuing yourself is saying it matters that I'm the one doing it. And there's a Martha Graham quote that I love. I'm going to give a section of it, but she says there's a vitality, a life force, a quickening and energy that is translated through you into action. And because there's only one of you in all of time, the expression is unique. And then she goes on in the same quote to talk about how like it's not your job to like value it or compare it to other people. I'm like, mm, okay, in a creation context, yes. In the context of our conversation though, uniqueness is valuable. If there's only one of something, it is as rare as it can possibly be. It is innately valuable and your work therefore is innately valuable. And in competition sometimes with the work of others, but you are never in 100% direct competition with everyone. Again, if we're thinking of that ecosystem, Every performer, every coach can have a niche that is worthwhile to them, that works for them, and that doesn't necessarily mean that you're like hoarding all the work, if that makes sense. I love, I love everything that you've shared so far. And the, there's only one of you in the world, right? You know, taking that from Martha Graham. And I love thinking of making new opportunities. That's the entrepreneurial minded like why I gravitate towards that of like, mm -hmm. I want to make something that no one has made before. I want to make an opportunity for me. I want to make a market for me. I think it's you who also, it might be somebody else also often talks about the circus industry as an ecosystem, mm -hmm. which is like my favorite analogy because there's that tells you about like the richness and the complexity and the depth and the interrelatedness. And I think that when it comes to valuing our work, it's never just in a vacuum. It's never like, my straddle up is worth $500, you know, or whatever it might be. <laughs> it's, it's you as a person, it's you as a creator, it's the costumes you bring. It's like, you have to think of it not just as yourself, but also as like all the interrelated relationships that you have. It's your rigor and your rigor in needing to be able to have a living and like valuable wage. So just considering the whole ecosystem and the whole community in your valuation of yourself and the fact that like you belong in that ecosystem and that there's no one else who can do exactly what you do in that ecosystem. You're necessary to it. And so the last like little point that I have in this like train of thought is that, you know, what I do and how I do it are an expression of what I value. And so, you know, we go from like what I do matters to it matters that I'm the one doing it and what I do and how I do it are an expression of what I value. And as a therapist, I spend a lot of work with clients honing in on their ability to know and to respond to and to make choices based upon their values. And this is not, I mean, this is really familiar to you. I'm certain as a business coach, this is like a big part of it. But the more that we can reflect and say, you know, I really value community. I really value being part of a team that's creating an ensemble piece that has 10 people and we're all like contributing equally. That to me feels meaningful 
I might have an easier time knowing to say yes when I have that opportunity. And I might have an easier time saying no to somebody who's like, hey, do you want to go to the woods by yourself for two weeks, create a solo piece, present it one time for a panel of judges, and then move on with your life, right? So knowing what you want is going to help you also be able to let go of things that you don't want because it doesn't, you don't have to respond to each opportunity in a vacuum. You're responding to it based on underlying core principles and values of how you want to spend your time and energy. Yes. And um, you mentioned like how to say no in a way that doesn't burn bridges. What does that look like from like your mm -hmm. you know, therapist mental health perspective? Yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, it's really complicated because sometimes it's okay to burn a bridge. Right. And sometimes there are relationships that are harmful or that are just not functional or for whatever reason, you don't need the relationship anymore. You don't want the relationship anymore or whatever that might be. And I think that knowing when you're saying no to a relationship and knowing when you're saying no to a gig are two different things. And if you can be clear in yourself when you're saying yes and no to work, as opposed to when you're saying yes and no to a relationship, a professional relationship, a working relationship with someone, that also is gonna help you with your decisions, right? And so I've had to turn down work before and there's, there's two times when you can turn down work. There's when it's offered to you and if you can turn it down then it's usually pretty straightforward. And then it's when you're partway through and you're like, guess what? No. I got to say, no, I have to stop this. Right. Mm -hmm. And I've been in both of those positions and I'll tell you the second one's a lot harder and the way to navigate that as gracefully as possible. And again, I'm not saying three easy tips to like never have a difficult relationship with a colleague, but is to be really clear with yourself and really clear with the other person. If you are saying no to the work, if you are saying no to the relationship mm. and if you want to maintain the relationship. So let's say I say, you know, it's been really nice having this Instagram live with you, but I'm not really loving this conversation. And I have other stuff that I could be doing with this time, whatever it is. However, I would really like to continue to work with you or let's try to find something that's a better fit for us both to talk about, right? It's, it's opening that door to future possibilities saying, I would be interested in working with you, but I'm not able to work at this time. I'm not able to work in this theater, I'm not able to work with this rigging. I'm not able to work for this rate, whatever that might be. And to really clarify with the person that you're talking to. No, that's beautiful. And that mm -hmm. just, you know, it also, I think, can help somebody feel less defensive. Exactly. And that's the hope, right? And like, again, you can't control how other people feel, but you can offer as much clarity as possible. I was just going to say that is so much information there. This will live on our Circus Boss page. There's an IG TV mm -hmm. tab. So you can go back and watch it again because everything that Janelle just said was so powerful. I don't know. I want to go back and listen to it again. <laughs> Could I jump in and share a few of my Please. thoughts that came up with this topic? Yeah. When I started thinking about this topic, I thought about like, what are reasons that I might want to say no? And one of them Janelle mentioned was pricing. We're really big on pricing and knowing your value, knowing your numbers and knowing your market. And, mm -hmm. you know, I agree that we need to raise the value of our art form by raising our rates because your rate is a reflection of your value and if you're setting your own rates and you're setting them too low mm -hmm. then you're communicating to the world that you don't value what you're doing and yes 
it may come, especially for those of us in the US that grew up with a culture that doesn't value the arts at large, it's harder to be the one on the soapbox saying the arts matter, but we can and we will get over this and especially together. And that's why these conversations are so important. So pricing is one reason that I would definitely say no to work. Another one comes in similar to values. Also, like if you're a business or a performer, thinking about your brand. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we had a very dialed in brand with animate objects when I ran an entertainment company and we turned down work that didn't match with our brand. And I'm also a big fan of Jim Henson. I've like read his books and grew up with him and I love him. And I learned later on in my life that Jim Henson didn't like being pigeonholed as just kids entertainment. He actually struggled for years to try to do adult films and things for adults, but he got pigeonholed with the Muppets and kids entertainment. So just thinking about your brand, what do you want to be known for? And then you can look at as an opportunity comes up, is this going to showcase to the world what I want to be doing or what I don't want to be doing, right? So yeah. branding, if it's something that goes against your brand, especially if it goes against your values, is another reason to say no. And then the classic, this one is so hard, is overcommitment. Ooh. Um, yeah. Yes. So the people that are offering you jobs have no idea what your day-to-day -day is and how many jobs you're managing. So you have to be able to self-assess and know, and this tip might take years to figure out how much time and energy actually goes into everything you do, but it's so easy to be overcommitted, burn the candle at both ends, as they say, and then you're just not doing a good job. You know, somewhere something has to sacrifice. So either you're sacrificing yourself, you're sacrificing your energy that you're giving when you are performing or when you are showing up, and it can also be a safety risk. Yes. If you're not 100%, then the risk factor goes higher or gets higher. Mm -hmm. What you're saying also about branding and about what you want to be known for, one of my favorite, one of my favorite things to do, actually, this is, again, I've had this career for a while, is to say no to work and refer a friend who's going to do a better job than I was going to do. And again, we're thinking of that ecosystem, right? And in this way, again, a way to say no without burning a bridge is instead of being like, oh, sorry, I'm not available that day, good luck, is to say, you know what, I'm not available, but I've got my friend Anna, and let me tell you, like, she is baller. Like, you should absolutely hire her. Here's her website, and I trust her, right? She's got her prices. She's not going to undercut. And having that, that group, right, that community of people that you can send work to and back and forth is, is going to also reinforce to our clients that what we do is valuable, that we all talk to each other, so we know what's happening, you know, <laughs> if you can, when you say no to something, connect them with somebody else is like so helpful. And then they still like you, right? You have brownie points with them. And you have brownie points with Anna, who's like, thanks for referring me for that gig. I got you next time, right? And like another thought on that is as you're building your network, being able to communicate what you are good at, what you mm -hmm. do want. So they know when that opportunity comes along, oh, Janelle is the perfect fit for that. Let me call them, you know? Mm -hmm. The other thing that came to mind when we were prepping for this was the idea of when you do say no to release it and then redirect your energy, mm -hmm. right? And so like one thing that <clears throat> I'm learning to get better at is talking online and communicating my story and my thoughts online with the community, right? So if you are saying no to something because of price, because of values, because it's an unsafe working condition, mm -hmm. things that are not acceptable, mm -hmm. share that. 
Yeah. That's how we build the community stronger. That's how we raise the standards. Obviously, I, I agree in sharing in a respectfully way. Like, you don't mm -hmm. have to bash the, the person or the people. But I do think it's rather than suffer in silence and be like, what's wrong with me? I, I can't take this job. It doesn't feel right. Share it so that others can feel empowered also to say no to situations that might not be good for the general we. Yes. And communicating about safety, too. Um, you know, I'm thinking about like in the city that I live in, like there are some venues that are like 100% gold star for rigging and some venues where I'm like, oh, interesting. They have an aerialist there. Hmm. Who is that? What's their Instagram? I need to talk to them. Yeah. And that that kind of communication, again, like you have to do it with integrity, right? It has to be truly from a place of wanting to protect the safety of people in your community. And if it's for another reason, you can kind of evaluate your reasons. But that transparency and also, again, like that way, people who are booking us know that we talk to each other. And that's going to make it harder for us to experience undercutting or like, oh, so-and-so won't do it, but so-and-so will, you know, situations that can lead to like division within the community as well. One thing I've been thinking about is I think, you know, sometimes we're afraid to say no because we might not get that future opportunity with the same person, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I just want to say that saying no to others can allow you to say yes to what you do want, right? Yeah. And one thing, just from a business perspective, if you are saying no or releasing something that's not the right fit, to really just think about, okay, how much time would I have spent on that job? I'm going to spend that same amount of time investing in my business, whether it's like leveling up your marketing materials or doing more networking, and that's going to actually give you a higher return. So if you are saying no and you're worried because how will that affect your bottom line? Is that going to be detrimental? Just take that worry and say, I'm going to be active with that and double down in doing investing in your business. So those are kind of like all the thoughts that I yeah. had. But the biggest thing just that came up as a summary of all of this is like, you don't have to be a yes person. Mm -hmm. Saying no can be a radical act of self-preservation and a way to educate others. Yes. And I, I think that we are taught to be yes people societally. I think there's also a myth around if you say yes to every opportunity, you will grow your career or grow your business more. Mm -hmm. And then there's also in improvisation, we're taught yes and and then as an ensemble we may be taught to say yes to direction so i can understand where a lot of the yeses come from and that's why i love this topic janelle because we're taught mm -hmm. to say yes so much and we just i think both of us really want to give you permission to say no yeah and like i'll add as well like there's there is a gendered component to how we are taught to say yes or no to things and how much we feel it's our job to take on the responsibility of making it work, even if it's not set up to work, right? And, you know, those of us who are assigned female at birth are going to have a harder time with this by and large. And just knowing that and remembering that as you're making your decisions, being like, okay, and also I'm biased towards saying yes, so let me take that into account, right? Can be really helpful as we're thinking about what we're going to say yes to, what we're going to say no to. I think I also am really curious about your thoughts about I often have opportunities come up where I'm like, okay, so like from a pricing point, it's a no, but from a community building point, it's maybe a say yes. Like, and I have to start to take into account what I refer to as like non-monetary compensation. And I don't know if this is something you talk about a lot, um, 
But one of my favorite like ways to keep a conversation going with somebody who's like, hey, can you do a contortion act and an hour of ambient aerial? We can pay you $200. And I'm like, okay, so that rate is below our industry standard. I'm not able to do it for that. I could offer you an hour of ambient walkabout character for that. And let's talk about what else is involved in this. Are you able to send me high quality video and photos after the event of my performance? Does this open doors to me to be booked with your company again? And to start to really talk about those things that are not just cold hard cash that could shift me from a maybe to a yes because of my bigger picture, longer term values-based decision-making. So like, that's a part that I wanted to get to as well. Yes. So a couple things. If it's gig work, then I would always share your price in a, a proposal so they know what the original price is and then explain how much of a discount they're getting and why and get it all in writing what you're getting in exchange. Because I've had so many people make false promises over the years. So that's one thing. If somebody is promising you a lot of work in the future, I actually recommend to not give a discount until you start to see that future work. Yeah, so absolutely. you can do like a multiple discount after you've done like five events with them or yeah. something, right? But to address your point outside of gig work and just performance in general, Brock and I like to talk about this triangle of artistry, relationships, and sustainability. Mm. And that there's a balance and you're not always going to get all three on every opportunity. So it may feed your artist but it may not be financially sustainable. It may be a good relationship because it's going to open the door to other opportunities, but it might not be artistically fulfilling. So just thinking about those artistry relationships and sustainability and kind of evaluating yeah. each one, I feel like is a good way to look for those non-monetary compensations. Yeah. But I'm, I'm super hesitant on the bringing your price down in the gig economy for stuff like that, because that's, where we do 100% set our own rates uh -huh. and we create the value of our work in the events industry and the events industry doesn't understand how to value us. And we have to be consistent, right? I mean, this is such a like hacky way of saying it, but we, we're training them, right? So we have to be consistent in the message that we send. It's there's, again, I'm I could go off for a long time, but we're at about the end of our time. So maybe we'll do this again sometime. <laughs> You know, absolutely. I really enjoyed this. And for those that are watching, this is actually Janelle and I's first time talking in person. And I really am cherishing this conversation so much. I would love to do more together. For those of you that are enjoying this, um, you can always follow the hashtag Circus Boss Live. We're getting back in the rhythm of doing our lives again. And um, let us know. You can hit either one of us up in a DM and let us know what you'd like to hear. Because I love this merging of like the the mental health and the business, like how do you bring those two together? Because they're both needed. You can't have one without the other. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, if you want to speak with me, you can find me at, at Janelle Dinosaurs or at Cirque Psych. Cirque Psych is my mental health and circus Instagram. Janelle Dinosaurs is my like personal and circus Instagram. You can also find me at my website. It's JanelleDinosaurs.com. I'm consistent, right? It's that consistency. And yeah, I would love to hear from folks if you have questions or future things that you want us to talk about. And yeah, this is fantastic. I've loved this conversation. Awesome. And I forgot to share, we have a free mini course called the Circus Freelancer Gig Pay Guide. So you can work out what those rates are and should be for you so that you'll know when to say no because of price. And that's circusboss.com slash gig pay guide. So 
Thank you everyone so much. And thank you, Janelle. I just would love to do more of these conversations. I'm sure we will do more together. Oh yeah, I'm happy to, anytime. This was fabulous. Thank you to those of you who are here. I really appreciate it. Looking forward to hearing from you. And yeah, let's do it again. I'll see, what, next week? Let's go, let's go. Okay, <laughs> thanks. Thank you. Bye. Bye.